Welcome to Self-Care Hacks, the short podcast for overwhelmed and stressed out women who want to learn how to take better care of themselves. I'm your host, Anita Ojeda. I used to suffer from overwhelm and stress too, but I've learned how to take care of myself and take care of others. You can too. Since this is a podcast about self-care hacks, I can't believe I haven't shared with you what I've learned over the years about scheduling self-care into our daily lives. We all know that self-care is important. Everyone tells us we need to do it, but seldom do people explain how we're supposed to fit it into our busy lives. And trust me, we're all busy. Even my retired friends tell me that their lives are full and busy and they don't know how to schedule in self-care. So on today's episode, I'm going to share with you what I've learned about scheduling. First of all, you've probably heard that it takes only 21 days to form a new habit. And that sounds wonderful. But that research has never really been proven. Newer research, I'll leave links in the show notes, talks about how some habits you may be able to break or form in just 21 days. It kind of depends on your motivation. For example, waking up at a certain time, you might be able to form that habit in two weeks or drinking 64 ounces of water a day or foregoing dessert after dinner. That might come easily for some people. Other habits might take up to 254 days to turn into second nature. That's almost an entire year. It all depends on the complexity of the habit and your attitude toward it. If you're a Christian, you have an upgraded level of service available to you when it comes to forming positive spiritual self-care habits or any other habit. You have prayer. Forming new habits will take time, but we won't have to struggle alone. In James 1, 5, we learn that if any of us seeks wisdom, we only have to ask God and he will give it to us. So you can start forming new habits by praying about them. Why is it important to learn how to schedule in self-care habits? Well, when Peter and I were first married, we lived in a mild climate and decided to buy a scooter instead of a second car. One busy day, I skipped lunch and rode straight from work to the library in town on the scooter. After returning a stack of books and finding new ones, I put my helmet on and settled into the seat of the scooter. My hands felt shaky as I started the scooter and put it into gear. As I pulled out of the parking lot, a car entered and I grabbed the brakes and tumbled over into the soft grass next to the sidewalk. I sat there dazed for a minute, trying to figure out what had just happened. I righted the scooter, restarted it, and drove home like I was driving Miss Daisy. My first experience with the effects of low blood sugar left me with a few bruises and a small scratch on the scooter. Failing to nourish my body results in me losing my ability to handle seemingly simple physical tasks. Since that time, I have had a few other brushes with bad low blood sugar, usually when I don't eat a balanced diet and don't exercise. I make it a point to never skip a meal unless it's medically necessary. The mental academic, artistic, physical, and spiritual aspects of our nature can suffer when we fail to feed ourselves. I've gotten caught up in life and failed to spend quality time with God each day, and then I end up with a case of heavenly hangry. It's akin to spiritual low blood sugar. The first secret to forming habits requires scheduling. If we schedule the big four elements of self-care into our lives, we'll find it easier to fit everything else in. If you're a woman and you're a Christian, you've probably grown up believing that you have to be superwoman 
You have to take care of the kids, hold down a job, support your family, drop everything when a family member calls, cook all the meals, clean the house, do all the laundry, not to mention being taxi driver, carpool organizer, PTA president, and teach Sunday school or help out your church in some other way. And the list goes on and on. All of those things that we think we're supposed to do take away from our energy and our ability to do other tasks. The more we say yes to other people, the more we're saying no to ourselves. And if we keep doing that for long enough, we are going to run out. We're going to run out spiritually. We'll run out academically, physically, emotionally, mentally. We're just going to go dry. So the first thing we need to do is to acknowledge that self-care is important. Self-care is not the same as self-indulgence. Self-care is taking care of the four major aspects of your personhood, your mental health, your academic and artistic health, your physical health, and your spiritual health. Every single person in the world deserves and should take time for self-care. It's different than getting a manicure or a pedicure or a massage once a month. Those are parts of self-care. But those are not self-care. Self-care has to happen every single day. We recently bought a 10-year-old Tesla from my brother-in-law, and we have to keep it charged if we want to use it. Most of the time, the easiest and cheapest way to keep it charged is to take it to the local supercharger and hang out for half an hour to 40 minutes while it charges. We managed to use that time to watch television shows or read books or listen to podcasts together. It's kind of fun, but it certainly has shown how important it is to keep our vehicle charged because if we don't charge it, we're not going to be able to use it. We as people are the same way. We have to charge ourselves in the four areas of our lives if we want to be able to be of service to other people. So hack number one, acknowledge that you are worth taking care of. Acknowledge it is the most important thing you can do for others to take care of yourself. Hack number two, make a list of things that make you feel cared for. How do you feel cared for physically? Is it stretching every morning? Is it going for a walk each evening? Is it combining spending time with your dog or your spouse or your kids and going for a walk or a bicycle ride? What makes you feel like you have received physical self-care? What makes you feel like you have received mental self-care? For mental self-care, my biggest one is journaling. So I make sure that I have time every day to journal. What makes you feel like you've received spiritual self-care? And what makes you feel like you've received artistic or academic self-care? I like to listen to nonfiction titles when I drive. It's a great way to learn about new things, usually history or biographies, things that inspire me, make me think. Listening to audible books is a great way for me to keep my mind sharp learn new skills, learn new information, and it overall makes me a better person. Some of my favorite artistic pursuits are writing, creative writing, photography, watercolor painting, and sewing. I like to schedule those things into my weekly routine. I don't have time to do them every day, and that's okay, but I do like to do them. 
As far as physical self-care, I like to be training for something. So for example, right now I'm training for a 10K race. When I finish with that, I'll train for a half marathon. Sometimes I train for a big hike. I've also discovered that it's easier for me to train for something if I have someone telling me what to do. I have a really hard time just stretching every morning and doing a stretching routine. So I've discovered iFit. It's a subscription app that syncs with my stationary bicycle and my treadmill, or you can use it without those things. And it has strength training, stretching, running, bicycling. It has all kinds of workout programs on there. And I find it easiest to use those because it's a set amount of time and I don't have to be creative and come up with what I'm going to do that day. Someone just tells me what to do if I need to speed up or slow down, if I need to stretch my legs, or stretch my arms. It's much easier for me. It it eliminates decision fatigue for me when I'm training. So it's like having my personal trainer, but it's way cheaper. Once you've written down ideas of how you feel like you have taken care of yourself, then it's time to actually schedule those things in and to let family members know that there might be some changes because you are going to start taking care of you so that you can take better care of them and be a better spouse, a better parent, a better friend and a better coworker by making sure that you are spending time every day taking care of yourself. If you do this, you might get some pushback. The third thing you need to do is to schedule the four elements of self-care into your lives. You don't have to do all four of them every single day, but you do need to schedule in self-care in all four aspects of your life every week. And trust me, we all have the same 24 hours in the day, but it all has to do with scheduling. We have time for what we make time for. Let me say that again. We all have time for what we make time for, but it's so easy to fall into a trap of saying yes to things that we have a whole pile of insignificant little things sitting in the bottom of our hourglass. We have time for what we make time for. Think of it this way. Your life is like a jar. All the little things that we say yes to, the seemingly unimportant things or the mildly important things, those are like sand. If we pour all that sand into our jar first, and then we try to put the big things in, the large rocks, such as mental self-care, academic self-care, physical self-care, spiritual self-care, then our pile of rocks, our pile of important things is going to rise above the lip of the jar. There will not be room for those rocks, the big important things, and all the insignificant things. So we must learn how to schedule the big things first and then let the little things fall into place. I often fall prey to the mindset that I have to put others first and completely ignore my own basic needs. It doesn't work well. It's like trying to fit all the stuff into my life in the wrong order. It's like trying to fit all the stuff in a jar in the wrong order. I major in the minors and put out little fires first. Things like checking Facebook, tweeting, and posting on Instagram. I realize I have wasted time, so then I rush around trying to take care of everyone else and all the little details at work. At the end of the day, I look back and realize I haven't done a single thing to keep me healthy. If, on the other hand, I start my day by spending time with God, exercising, and journaling, my day goes much better. I read every day during my lunch break to keep my mind active. I go birding on the weekends and spend time photographing nature. When I do these things, I have the energy and resources to tackle all the stuff. Of course, we all have seasons when we have more or less time to spend on self-care, but we still need to schedule in the time. Set alarms on your phone, block off time on your calendar, and guard those appointments. 
Start small, but start today. Let me explain how I schedule things in. It has become so automatic that I actually don't have to schedule it anymore unless I'm traveling somewhere or on vacation. Then it gets more difficult. But in the morning, I wake up, I get a drink of water, run to the bathroom, make my non-fat decaf latte, and then I go to my office and I sit down and I journal and I spend time with God. I have a gratitude list and a prayer list. God and I have a conversation about the Bible text for the day. Sometimes I read an inspirational book. Sometimes I read a day devotional. It just kind of depends. Sometimes I actually study different books of the Bible and journal in response to what I'm learning. I've been probably 15 minutes to a half an hour every day doing that. And that takes care of both my spiritual self-care needs and my mental self-care needs. I usually spend more time journaling if I've had a difficult day the day before or if I'm worried about something coming up. My journaling usually ends up being more of a prayer. I write down all my emotions and what's bothering me. But in the end, it always turns into a prayer. And I've been doing that for so long that I don't even have to think about it. Last week, we were at outdoor school with our school in San Diego, California, camping at a KOA campground. And I knew that it was going to be difficult to keep that routine. But I also knew how bad it would be if I didn't keep the routine, especially because as an introvert, being around 40 other people for eight days without much of a break was going to be very difficult. So I got up each morning at 4.30. I took a headlamp with me. I took my bear spray and my exercise clothing. Every morning, I would get up and I would run to the nearest Starbucks about a mile and a half away. I would have my non-fat decaf latte. I put in my earbuds on noise counseling so that I had peace and quiet in the noisy Starbucks. And I did my devotions there. And then I would run back to camp. So I was able to combine my need for exercise, my need for a mental health break, and my spiritual self-care all in that one hour. It wasn't always pleasant. Three of the mornings, it was actually drizzling when I went running. And it was dark. But I knew that that was so important that I had to do that first in order to keep my equanimity the rest of the day. If you're not used to doing this, Schedule in exactly what your morning's going to look like. Figure out how long it takes to do the things that you need to do in the morning. Ask yourself, is there anything on my list that I could do the night before? So, for example, if you're the one in charge of making breakfast, what part of breakfast can you finish the night before so that you have more time freed up in the morning? The fourth thing is to take an inventory of all the things that you do in a day. This might mean jotting down how much time you spend on different things all day long and then going through the list and asking yourself, are there things that I do that I don't really need to be doing or I could win back some time for myself? So, for example, Facebook, Candy Crush, other video games, Twitter, Instagram, all those things are fun. They're kind of mindless entertainment. But would your life be easier if you only did those things for set amount of times at set times of the day? My guess is that you would find a wealth of time that you didn't know existed if you cut out on little things like that. Once you do an inventory of how you spend your time, ask yourself, are there things that I'm doing that other family members could do just as easily? And the answer to that question is probably yes. So for example, when our daughters were six and seven years old, we taught them how to wash their own laundry. And from that time on, they did their own laundry. Pedro and I swap every other week so that no one family member had to do the work for everyone else. That means that you also have to decide what's more important, taking care of yourself or having all the shirts folded a certain way. I decided it's more important to take care of myself in other areas of my life 
than it is to have shirts folded a certain way. We also taught our daughters how to cook. It involved a lot of time having them cook with us and showing them how to cook, where to find things in the kitchen, where to put things away. But once we finished that training period, they were able to cook meals. And we started scheduling them in for cooking one meal once a week for the entire family. And that included writing down on the shopping list on the refrigerator what ingredients they needed to prepare the meal and cleaning up everything afterwards. So ask yourself, are there things that you are doing that someone else in the family could do just as easily to give you more time? Because remember, we don't have to be super women. We don't have to get everything done. We don't have to do everything, even though we think we do, and we've allowed ourselves to feel guilted into doing it all. But the important thing to remember is everyone will be happier, and you will not be as stressed. And we all know that stress is a killer. It causes all kinds of horrible side effects to our health. Everything from causing depression to hardening our arteries and making us gain weight and not sleep well. So if we can take care of ourselves, we will cut out unhealthy stress from our lives and it will make it much easier for us to live longer and live happier and be more fun to be around. So don't forget the five hacks for scheduling in self-care. Hack number one, acknowledge that you deserve to take care of yourself. Acknowledge how important that is in your life. Hack number two, think about the ways that you feel taken care of. What makes you feel like you are taking care of yourself? And make sure you include some of those activities every day and every week. Try to hit all four of the quadrants, the mental, emotional, the academic and artistic, the physical, and the spiritual into your life every single week. Hack number three, schedule in actual time to take care of yourself every single day. And don't move those times around to fit other people's schedule. Set them in stone and put those big stones in your life jar first. Hack number four, Take an inventory of all the things that you do that are probably a waste of time and that you could cut out. Hack number five, think about ways to delegate and remember to give yourself grace. At different seasons in your life, you'll have different amount of times to do different things, but it's important that you start scheduling in self-care now so you live longer and have a happier future. Come back next week when I talk about the importance of mental health. Take care of yourselves, my friends. You are worth it. You can find me at selfcarehacks.net or check out the show notes for links to my social media accounts. If you enjoyed this podcast, take the time to tell a friend. Together, we can build each other up and teach each other how to take better care of ourselves. I'll see you here next Tuesday with more self-care hacks to help you overcome the overwhelm.